0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the seventh episode of the Ruff Ruff Raw podcast. Today, we're going to talk about animal chiropractic care with one of our favorite chiropractors, Advanced Animal Chiropractic. Hi, everyone. We're here today with Dr. Grant Tully, a licensed human chiropractor certified in animal chiropractic via the IVCA, the International Veterinary Chiropractic Association. Dr. Tully works with Dr. Christina Cole, the owners of Advanced Animal Chiropractic.
1: Right. And so, um, Dr. Grant, you just got married to Dr. Cole.
2: I so did. I did about a month ago. That's really
1: exciting. Congratulations. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Yeah, long time coming. Been together about seven years.
1: Okay, now is she the one that? Well, we'll get into your story, but sure. so thank you for taking some time today to talk with us. Um, I our pr- purpose of our podcasts are to just uh, enlighten everybody to what what resources are out there for our pets, and I have found a lot of people don't know about chiropractic for their pets, and so um, you have seen my um, my one, Y Mariner CC. She's my fourteen year old. It was a few months ago. We were at. Um, I can't remember the name of the store, but my husband and I brought her, and you looked at her back and her leg. She couldn't, uh, she slid down the stairs and um, she couldn't walk. But by the time we brought her to you, she could the next day walk a little bit. We Mm -hmm. did some, um, we did a little bit of ice, we did a little bit of holistic um, medicine that the Shepherds, Dr. Shepherd um, recommended. And so she was able to come to you, but she was still pretty sore. And you found just a little bit of arthritis in her back. Uh, but you adjusted her it helped her move around. By the time we left, she was walking around normally. And um, I know Dr. Cole also adjusted her just for maintenance. Mm-hmm. When, when she start, uh, was working at Shepherd Alternative Animal Care, she stopped in there to do car uh, adjustments. And I can't believe how great your reports are that you email. They're awesome.
2: Yeah, we, we uh, definitely spent a little bit on um, uh, some software there. Uh, and it, it's definitely helped. It helped us out a lot, too, because it's nice to be able to just kind of you know, gather people's information. It puts it together in a nice format for us, Look, um, the dog spine, some other recommendations and things like that. And, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're pretty happy with it, too. We, we get mm-hmm. a lot of compliments regarding uh, that software. That we- yeah,
1: I like the picture. Mm-hmm. It shows where there's issues. And, uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey? So of course you're, you, uh, you're a human chiropractor, but how did you become an animal chiropractor?
2: Sure. So, um, it really started. So, uh, Christine and I, like I said, we've been together for about seven years and her whole purpose for going to chiropractic school, uh, to eventually become an animal chiropractor. Um, even in chiropractic school, uh, I did not think that was a real thing. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's great that you want to do that, but that's not, you know, real. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we, we graduate. Um, she starts her animal practice. Uh, I started human practice a little bit later. I'm doing the human thing, and I'm, and I'm watching kind of what she's doing. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. It's growing uh, pretty much exponentially. Uh, she got to the point where she needed a partner. I was like, well, you know, what? humans are all right, but, like, animals look much, much better to work with. Like, I love dogs, everything like that. And I was like, you know what? I've decided this is officially a real thing. Uh, (laughs) So I sold my practice, went to Kansas, Wellsville, Kansas, which is south of Kansas City. It's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, And you do uh, additional training. So I, I did the summer program. So I was there for six or seven weeks straight. You're basically six days on, one day off. You get to the end of the program, you test for the program and then they fly in some uh, people for the boards and then we also tested for the international veterinary chiropractic association. And that's, that's more or less how it happened. Christina founded the practice. I want to say five years ago, roughly. And so I have been on board for about two years, but yeah, I, I more or less like when you say nobody knows about animal chiropractic, my joke always is, well, I was in chiropractic school and also thought it was a fake thing. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it really (laughs) just one of those things where, it just took time even like for me to kind of see it. And then I went, Oh, that's, that's great. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. They don't have as many options as humans do. And what I really like about the animal side is there's no placebo. They, the dog, (laughs) right. we, We work predominantly on dogs, but, um, they don't know if what I'm doing is supposed to hurt or help. So either they improve, which the majority of cases do, or they just kind of stay the same. So, uh, Uh, I really enjoy that aspect of it because animals are kind of, we'll say, pure, you know, clean slates. And so you kind of just see Mm -hmm. uh, based on their behavior and their response as to whether or not it helped.
0: Do you see a lot in common with, like, pets and humans for the chiropractic care?
2: Uh, I, yes and no. I'd say animals in general don't need as much care as humans. Um, I'd say a healthy dog that's really young can probably go, as far as maintenance, uh, like two to three months at a time without a checkup. Uh, Typically, we're not Mm -hmm. seeing an animal multiple times a week, like a human, um, unless the animal's paralyzed. And then even then, maybe we'll see it twice in a week. Uh, The areas of complaint are usually different. Most dogs, the area of complaint is the mid-spine, whereas humans, it's the low back. So I'd say animals will try to bite you every once in a while humans don't so there's, there's some similarities but there's probably a lot more differences the thrust is a whole lot different like I can't imagine working with animals if I hadn't been trained to work with the animals because it's so so completely different um a lot of times people are kind of like oh have you started yet and I'm like oh no I'm done like there's no cracking or popping really with the animals and the thrust is so small uh yeah, I'd say there's... And by thrust, you mean, like, actually making the adjustment, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so
0: the adjustment, yeah. So it's, Yeah, it's... the manipulation.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, t- it's, it's a real different type of motion completely. Um, so I'd say probably more differences than, um, than similarities. And like I said, if I hadn't gone through the training, I don't know how how it, you know anybody could go straight from humans to animals without that type of thing. So, um, yeah, a lot of differences.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so what are the most common reasons that people bring their pets to you? Like, I know mine was because she got injured, um, slipping down the stairway and she's older, but, um, you know, what do they, what do most people come in for, bring their pets in for?
2: I would say that the majority of our practice are dogs that are aging, uh, maybe in the last 30% of their expected life. Um, based on the breed. And so they're starting to slow down. You know, they're not doing stairs. They're not getting up as well. Maybe they're not playing like they used to. So I'd say the majority of things are just, we'll call them geriatric kind of issues. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, like stiffness, uh, problems getting up and down, like I said, Um, just in general, like improvements for the quality of life. So that's, geriatrics are are, are probably the majority. Uh, Another big thing we see is just, general back pain, because um, really the, the, the only options are pharmaceuticals. Well, if you go to, let's say, the traditional vet, because obviously there's supplements and things like that, uh, but traditionally you would have either, uh, like, a prescription drug to handle the case, or if it was really advanced, surgery. So, um, you know, drugs more or less oftentimes are just kind of masking a problem, mm-hmm. and, and surgery is obviously invasive, so a lot of people will bring us their dog for just kind of like general back pain. Mm -hmm. Um, after they've met their their vet, uh, just to see if we can help. Mm -hmm. And then we see a pretty good amount of, like, disc disease, so a lot of paralyzed dogs. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't – okay, so a lot is kind of a loaded thing, but we've probably seen, uh, since Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for two years, between the two of us, probably 50 Mm -hmm. cases of dogs with disc disease that kind of led to some form of paralysis. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd say the majority are just – senior dogs with some some senior dog issues and we're just trying to help with their mobility and kind of help them age comfortably and then just back pain neck pain um
1: yeah, yeah. like like those that maybe the veterinarian like they have no other um they don't know of any other thing else exactly like,
2: exactly it's yeah. traditionally if a vet you know the way they're trained is okay we'll prescribe this uh and and then we'll we'll just kind of see how the dog reacts if there's if there's some neurological signs, so, you know, maybe there's some paralysis or something looks off, then they refer to a neurologist because um, even the general vets, typically that's just kind of their, their MO, I think, because, well, the neurologists do get some additional training. But then we frequently see those patients because they go to the neurologist and it's like $2,000 for an MRI. You know, if we find this, this procedure is going to be $6,000. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like, well, we prefer to try something else first. And if we have to, we'll go that route. But obviously um, – six to $7,000 is is quite pricey. So uh, um, I don't remember how I got off of that tangent, but um,
0: (laughs) uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like a lot of your treatment or I I feel like it's with a lot of people or it's reactive, right? They don't know that if you start them with chiropractic care as a puppy, that it can help solve kind of these things near the tail end of their life or as things come up. So
2: it, it sounds like it's definitely a lot more reactive. Yes. At this yes point. I'd say so. A lot of our cases, you know, this it, it starts off reactive. Um, we have a condition we take, you know, we treat it. Ideally we get some results. I'd say over 95% of the time we do see some form of improvement within like two to three adjustments of uh, uh, for mm-hmm. the condition. And then if they have other animals, uh, then a lot of times those same dog owners would be like, well, you know, in that case, maybe I should bring the other one in kind of from a preventative standpoint, mm-hmm. but usually almost hundred percent initially a, a reactive type of thing. And then after those owners have seen improvement, you know, if they get another dog or they have another one in the family, then they might do something kind of preventatively. Um, but yeah, definitely more on the reactive side.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you recommend people bring their dogs and cats in before they're hurt to um, get a baseline or just for general maintenance?
2: Yeah, I'd say in my quote unquote ideal animal chiropractic world, uh, if they if a, a puppy or kitten, kitten, cats actually tend to have a lot less going on than dogs. Maybe they just land on their feet more often. But um, I, I would say my <laughs> hypothetical perfect animal chiropractic world, we'd start seeing puppies somewhere between the age of like six to nine months even if they have no issues and we would just see them like once every three months uh just to kind of check in make sure everything is kind of taken care of because the problem with animals is they don't show weakness um it's not if by the time they're showing symptoms of something it's probably pretty advanced so we can often get in there kind of feel at least that there's something going on with the spine you know and if it's like one or two spots that's great see you again in three months and, and you can usually keep that up for probably the first as long as there's no symptoms, probably the first five to six years of their life, if not if not longer. So more or less four checkups a year, unless, of course, something happens and you need to come in earlier. But, yeah, I think in ideally I would like to prevent most of what we see down the road, especially high-risk breeds like dachshunds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, With the
1: long backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, because we see a lot of – I mean, because when they blow a disc, I mean, they go paralyzed and things like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think ideally it would just be like, okay – see you now. Okay. Let's see you again in three months. And then we'll just do that for five, six years. And as long as they're having no issues, you can probably maintain that for a long, long time.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you have any, um, particular experiences you remember where you treated something and you had some like awesome outcome? Like Yeah.
2: Uh... I've had a few, but I'd say to me, the one that I kind of, uh, I've had the best results with, it was a, a four, a 14 year old, um, Dachshund it had been paralyzed for about two months before it came to see me. It was a referral uh, from a groomer in the area, and um, the they neurologist want, wanted to do an MRI and surgery. And the owner's like, "Well, it's a 14 year old dog. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this." Uh, okay. So basically, I I started seeing her, and I'd say by about the fourth visit, which was probably six to seven weeks after care, after we started care, she was she was up and walking, I, not, not a hundred percent normal, but like walking. So I think within one to two weeks mm-hmm. we were seeing one of the legs kind of come around by the three to four weeks after the initial adjustment, she was walking on both just very unstable. And then about, yeah, four visits after the, the initial, um, visit, she was, you know, up around walking and, and things like that. And for me, I, I always kind of look at that as one of the, I'll call it one of my landmark cases because for sure the dog had been paralyzed for two months so it wasn't just like this is some random haphazard like improvement um because mm-hmm. sometimes we'll get dogs that are paralyzed within like two or three days of the incident and it's like okay maybe they were going to recover maybe we just enhance the recovery mm-hmm. but but one for sure if i see it if it's been paralyzed for two months nothing's working and i do this to me i think that's when it officially hit me like oh so this really does is effective for these type of things, and so um, especially with a fourteen year old. So mm-hmm. uh, that was probably what I consider my best. Though so I've had a lot of results that even I'm like, oh, I had no idea this would improve, but it did. Type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, to me, it's always worth at least trying because it's you, you know two visits, maybe three visits to see if it's going to do anything, and if not, you know um, it's still probably cheaper than a regular you know trip to the vet or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm right and you can't really cause harm if anything you're just kind of
2: yeah the really only side effect that i've seen that we see in five years of practice is some soreness sometimes they're really sore for like 48 hours 24 to 48 hours but yeah there's there's not typically any uh long-term uh uh side effects to it and if we are concerned if there's you know a fracture or something else going on we typically tell them to go vet to make sure hey let's clear this before we even start start care or anything like that Um, right
1: so you're not you're you're you work with the regular veterinarians and things to just make sure that you're not injuring something
2: as well sure sure yeah and we i mean most i'd say the majority so we work out of like six vet Mm -hmm. um so that you know there's already one thing where we're kind of working with them the majority of cases I mean, it just depends. If they tell me what the trauma is, I'm like, you know what, I you need to go see your vet first, get some x-rays, get some things cleared, um, and, and then we'll start. But yeah, truth be told, as long as there's not like a fracture or some type of spinal tumor, then you're, you know, chiropractic pretty much is effective for, or you can pretty much do it on any animal. There's just a few things I'd want to make sure, okay, we're clear before we start care. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, we work hand in hand um, with vets. We we don't – we're not trying to do their job. Their job's already hard enough. We don't want any part of that. Um, we're just kind of complementing what they do. Like if they're prescribing pain meds, we're just trying to see if we can help the animal maybe get to the point where they no longer require pain meds and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, myself, I go to the chiropractor. Um, my brother-in-law is a chiropractor, matar um, Chiropractic. But I also see a special um, nuka chiropractor for my vertigo. Mm-hmm. And um, – so I was just wondering, like, do dogs get vertigo? And is, is um, Wobbler's disease the same as vertigo? Or I've, I've just heard some different things about that. A friend of mine sure. um, has a Doberman, and she was saying her dog was diagnosed with Wobbler's disease, and he, was, he seemed to be dizzy. And, and I did refer her to Dr. and I think she saw her a couple times. I'm not sure um, whatever happened with that. Um, but what do you yeah. think of that?
2: Yeah, so I would say, so um, when it comes to vertigo and things like that, we'll get some dogs with tilted heads, you know, and and they're clearly off, and you kind of see it a lot of times in older dogs, and um, a lot of times, traditionally, a vet will do, like, an antibiotic, at least that's what I've seen in my experience doing this now, to see if it clears. A lot of times, people will bring their dogs to us. We have a pretty good success rate with it. Um, I'd say it's not as successful as, like, back pain, neck pain, those standard type of things, but those... You know, certain cases, depending on what it's related to, do respond really well to animal chiropractic care. Uh, so we do see vestibular conditions. Um, now, wobblers is not a, necessarily a vestibular condition. Mm-hmm. So wobblers, it's pro, it's in, prone in certain large breeds like Danes and, and Roddies and things like that, uh, or, or Dobermans, I'm sorry. And um, basically what it is is part of the cervical spine is a little unstable. So sometimes when they turn their head a little uh, a certain way, the unstable spine will kind of pinch the spinal cord a little bit, and then they'll kind of go down. So that one's a little bit different um, than like your standard vertigo. Uh, but we do see animals with wobblers, and while you can't necessarily fix it, um, we kind of it helps the the quality of life uh, and things okay. like that. So yeah, so yeah, wobblers is certainly something we see. If we know where the unstable segments are, we don't even go anywhere near it, Um, but we still have a lot of animals that respond well to it, even conditions like degenerative myelopathy. It's not something, you know, that's a a progressive condition, but chiropractic care can help quality of life, can help prolong life, you know, and and kind of help prevent the progression of symptoms. So uh, to answer your question, initially, we do see animals with vestibular conditions. We get pretty reasonable uh, results with them. And then I think I know who you're referring to about with, with wobblers. Um, and, uh, we, it's not that I wouldn't call that necessarily a vestibular condition. That one's a little bit, a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Now, do you think sometimes they're
1: misdiagnosed as wobblers? It might be something else.
2: hundred percent. I do think it is because a lot of times what it is, is it's a large breed. This is what's happening. Oh, it must be wobblers. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of A and B. And so it could be other things where maybe we have what's called maybe some spinal stenosis because it's a large dog breed. And there's some arthritis in the spine, creating some some issues in the back end. But because this one is a Dane or, oh, because this one is a uh Adobe, like we automatically go to wobblers. So um I, I think with anything in life, there is always some type of, um you know, a chance for a misdiagnosis. And probably the only really way to diagnose wobblers, I'd have to confirm this, is probably with like an MRI or something. Mm-hmm. So I think most vent. You know, it's just you know, it's like well, again, this is the breed, this is the condition. yeah, it fits a uh, lot of factors, exactly. And so, um, it's not always the case. I've had a few. I was like, for you know, we're doing a history, and I'm like, what well, did your do- does your dog turn your head? And never drop. No, I'm like, well, it might not, it might not mm-hmm. be. Um, and then we just kind of start care, and then kind of see how they respond. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd say misdiagnosis is, is, is probably somewhat. Mm-hmm common in the condition uh with that condition but again i think it's hard to really confirm um what the problem is without mri or something those are crazy expensive for animals
0: yeah so have you seen chiropractic help animals with a condition that's not necessarily like physical or with their
2: movement um i'd say yeah Uh, so we've had some urinary incontinence issues um Mm -hmm. So basically some older dogs – we have some people that have older dogs that start – that bring – they know it's time to bring their dog in because they start leaking or having accidents in the house. Uh, I've worked on a few cats that they always kind of diagnose with, like – male cats with, like, crystals in the bladder and things like that, Mm -hmm. creating urinary issues. Um, And basically I found some stuff around the hips, specifically in the sacrum, adjusted it, and after a couple visits, it kind of cleared up. So – incontinence um we a lot of times people if dogs are licking their paws a lot of people automatically assume it's an allergy but it could be like shooting pain from like the neck or from the Mm. leg Mm -hmm. and so technically people will bring their dog in for allergies for us and and we'll sometimes get some results uh from that but in that case it might not even be allergies and and right we've had some behavioral things uh i know christina saw a dog that we now see regularly, but was at an animal rescue and it wasn't doing well, wasn't behaving like wanting to play, it was just kind of isolating itself. And Christina went and adjusted it and it probably was in some form of pain. And then all of a sudden the behavior type of changed and it got adopted out. And we still see that dog to this day with the new owners, but um,
1: or even angry yeah. dogs, maybe.
2: Yeah, so yeah, we see uh, those are the little ones, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we so it, it, it certainly can be. I mean, again, predominantly we're seeing. You know, the uh, the musculoskeletal conditions, those type of complaints. But there are other things that we do see that I am trying to think off the top of my head um, that seem to improve because people will every once in a while bring an animal in and be like, well, do you think it'll help? I was like, well, I don't know, but we'll give it a couple visits. And if you see some something mm-hmm. great and if you don't, you know, at least we tried. Um, but, yeah, we do see some some pretty random things as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So I know you said you saw um, mostly dogs and you do cats. And I know that mm-hmm. um, Dr. Cole uh, says she, she adjusts horses. Now we've never, we have a horse and um, mm-hmm. uh, Matilda used to, and my other daughter would jump him in um, competitions and things. But um, we used to have a chiropractor come out and adjust him. And what was great was we would trade services. I'd let her ride him, and she would adjust them. <laughs> But um, we had to keep doing that for like monthly for a while because he was getting older. He used to be a race horse. So do you adjust horses too? I know my horse loved it.
2: Yeah, we do. We, we don't see as many. Um, I mean, we, we see it. If I had to make a random number average, like three to four horses a week, maybe Mm -hmm. uh, compared to a lot more dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, We do. It's just, uh, it just depends on who contacts us. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing – there are a, a lot more equine chiropractors than there are small animal chiropractors. And the majority of vets ch- that I was in school with when I was doing my training were doing it strictly to do horses. Mm-hmm. So That's a big business. Uh, I th- yeah, and I think part of the reason we don't see quite as many um, is because there are some other options around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, we don't our ours don't often support it if we're in vet clinics and things like that. Mm-hmm. but um yeah, we we see we see we go to barns every once in a while, and we'll just you know ten to twelve horses. Uh, it's it's just completely different. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: Well, and they're big like, animals, they might hurt you as well, so you have to be careful. yeah yeah, yeah, exactly
2: you know it's it's a little bit, you know, I'm probably more, I mean a, a higher risk of being bit by a dog. But you know, that's whatever, I'll, I'll scar. But yeah, for horse kicks, I've had one kick the bail out from under me, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> um, but the majority are so used to being handled, it's really not right too problematic. It's just, it's yeah, it's so much different. You know, with dogs, mm-hmm. you're kind of on your knees, crawling around with them, horses, it's like physically
0: mm-hmm.
2: somewhat demanding. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, long so you before, do we, do that, we do yeah. yeah, yeah, our horse. I've done. Done some show steer I've done some big animals
1: uh, a show steer
2: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: did he have his horns and everything
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it was um it was a young one I, I mean I think the problem was this it was just growing too fast for its body but for but yeah I went up an hour 15 drive north for two of them and it's it's different like it's you get to the point where uh, I went to go feel the sacroiliac joints and I'm like hmm they should be here but it's, <laughs> it's, they have a little bit different anatomy, a, cow, a steer versus a horse. So like, the horse are kind of flared out for speed. And what I realized is with the steer, they're kind of tucked in a little bit more for stability. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you kind of figure a little bit on the fly. The spine is pretty much the same. But, um, uh, yeah, no, we've – like I said, we've done a bunch – we've done steer and, yeah, predominantly horses mm-hmm. though as far as large animal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I find barns, um, they'll either – spend a lot of people will spend a lot of money on their horses like for an equine chiropractor like you said or um, often people try to do everything by themselves because you know they're spending so much money oh. already a lot of farm oh. farm people will take it into their own hands well I can do this
2: chiropractic <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen some YouTube videos online where I'm like, that looks like a really bad idea. (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, I I definitely, for anybody who's considering animal chiropractic, I would for sure make sure, you know, unless it's your own animal, in which case, you know, God bless, but um, I would definitely make sure that it's somebody who's been through some adequate training (laughs) uh, (laughs) That oh, Mm -hmm. I can just do this. I've seen it Mm -hmm. because even once you've seen it, I mean, I went through, six weeks of training and I always like to, or the six weeks, of uh, the summer program, you know, six, seven days on hands on schooling. I'd say when I came out, I was, um, Oh man, what is, what is the expression I want? Basically I knew a lot, but I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. probably a year to where I finally was clinically as like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good at this type of thing, but you got to get your hands on mm-hmm. all these types of things. But you were already we deal- doing it
1: with humans. So you had all of that training as well.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was definitely at least comfortable with my hands. Um, it's just, it's a completely different feel. And nowadays, you know, I was like, oh man, what am I feeling? You know, for the first little bit nowadays, I'm like, okay, I feel this This is the problem, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's like any skill, if you want to refine it, you got to use it. Um, and so I have a lot of colleagues out there, vet friends in other areas that I went to school with That, you know, they'll do it a few times a week, depending on what they think, you know, if they think it's warranted, but I really don't think you develop the skill set unless you're constantly using it. And that's literally all we do. So, um, uh, don't know how I got off on that tangent, but really? – uh, oh, because we were talking about the, the non-trained people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's – I uh, – yeah, you're but you're right about the barns and things like that. We we have a, one barn we go out to. Um, well, we'll show up and do 12, 13 uh, horses, and that's kind of the norm. And some other barns in the area, we might show up and do one or two because this particular individual likes us, but then they have another equine chiropractor that comes in there uh, and you know, does the rest of the barn. And then you're right. When you get the farm, you know, the farms, you just kind of depends on the individual. Mm-hmm, definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know some people think that, or just unsure around chiropractic care and it being safe. What, like, what advice do you have or, or how do you comfort people when they're concerned about it, like causing more harm? Sure. Good?
2: I, I mean, I think we just tell them with some type of confidence, like, well, for one, we've been doing this for a while. Really haven't seen any side effects too. Outside of some soreness, too, like the thru- the adjustments it's you know people are concerned with at least on the human side with the big, large motions, the snapping, the cracking, the popping, um, twisting the bodies, putting them in pretzel positions to adjust, and not that every chiropractor practices that way because obviously you you know you said you go to a nuca doctor, and that's nothing like right, that right they just press but, one but, little spot by my ear yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and and that's and, and so people I think you know kind of associate with that um uh, I just kind of tell people there's no large movements like that. Again, it's really small. You probably won't even notice me adjusting. Um, and then I also just kind of tell them that, uh, you know, most people, I, even in humans, it's the neck. Oh, it's the neck. It's, you know, but again, there's no large movements like that in an animal. I know there's this whole controversy to some extent about like strokes and things like that with on the human side. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah, even then there's been no real actual evidence to support. Yeah, stories go around quick and they may not even be accurate. And and I think one of the things is, one of the problems is, I'm not going to say it's impossible because I don't think, you know, who knows for sure. But one of the symptoms of a stroke is like neck and head pain. So, you know, the the problem is like this person came in to get treated for that. And it's probably more of an issue of a chiropractor missing that someone was in the process of a stroke versus actually Mm. caught bed stroke but that's a completely different tangent i'm not even involved in the human world anymore <laughs> uh, so i don't even you know i don't most people i just i just tell them like look it's if, if you're worried about this massive adjustment it's not gonna happen like it's it's just completely different usually the animal just stands on all fours and i just kind of work my way through um and i guess we, i just like i said i just kind of tell people like you know we've, we've seen no ill effects here outside of some soreness and um, there's no major large sudden adjustment movements. So Uh uh, that usually, I guess, tends to comfort them to some extent. I've had some people that have to like leave the room. I'm like, I mean, I'm just kind of like, you don't have to, like, it's, it literally looks like me petting your dog, but you know, yeah. um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's few and far between.
1: So Matilda um, has two cats. She lives out in Rhode Island and um, how do your cats react to the chiropractic care they get?
0: Well, so, our one cat bear, before we got him as a kitten, they were both barn cats and they're two brothers. And he was stepped on as a kitten before we got him by one of the little kids. Mm-hmm. And it fused his two front shoulders together. So, he's kind of got like a tilt in his walk. He kind of like walks around with a little limp going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he goes, th- we go, we take him quarterly every three months, but it's his absolute favorite thing. He gets acupuncture done at the same time as well. But um, ever since we've been doing the chiropractic with him, he, It doesn't seem to affect him. He walks a little bit differently, but he's totally fine. And then his other brothers, It affects him in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's not bothered by his shoulders. Whereas before, when we first got him, it, like, you could tell he wasn't as playful. He really didn't, like, want to take part in any physical activity. Mm -hmm. And I think also he was just, like, learning how to move with his weird body. But, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say animals or animals, cats, cats are a little bit more aloof on. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the personality of the cat. Cause some of them are just like this, you know, I'm sweating bullets and then some of them are just like, okay, kind of do what you need to do. So they're really, yeah, they're real finicky. Um, but uh, yeah, we, so we do see, again, we see predominantly dogs, but we do see a pretty good amount of cats too. And the majority I'd say cats, in general, just don't tend to hurt themselves as much as dogs, which is probably Mm -hmm. part of the reason why we don't see...
1: Yeah, they're pretty agile.
2: Yeah, we don't see quite as many cats. When I do find a cat, it's very rare to have more than, like, two spots I need to adjust. Um, Whereas in a dog, like, if I'm in a certain area, I wouldn't. depending on the age and the energy level, like, I wouldn't be shocked if in a certain area I find, like, three or four spots. So, um, yeah, cats tend to just be, I guess we'll say, a little bit more sophisticated. Uh, (laughs) For lack of a better... Word and yeah we don't we don't see them too often and and I'd say the majority of them are fine but every once in a while you get one and you're just like oh my goodness
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'd be curious with cats too I a lot of people chalk it up to like cats being cats of them kind of just like sitting in the corner and hanging out and minding their own business mm-hmm. but we've even seen it where you just change their diet and all of a sudden they're a lot happier and I bet that would be the same if people took more of their cats to get adjusted yeah I because I yeah
2: oh God no, I was gonna say, and I do seem to find certain trends in cats, and like certain areas seem to be kind of problematic, and um, uh, yeah, that might very well be the case because you're right. We don't—I don't think nearly as many people think about bringing their cat in as opposed to a dog, and even with a dog, not many people are thinking about it. hmm mm-hmm. And
1: right. So. Um... Before we start wrapping up, is there any other information you'd like to talk about or any other like um, advice for pet parents? And then after that, can you um, do you want to share how people can make appointments with you? And um, so we're in metropolitan Detroit, Michigan area mm-hmm. in the metro area, how they can make appointments with you or Dr. Cole and um, sure. anything about that, too?
2: Sure. I'd say the the only thing I'd say for people is to me. And maybe it's because I come from a chiropractic background. And like I said, in my ideal world, it's at least worth probably at least going to get checked once by, you know, mm-hmm. all we do is chiropractic. So you're not, you're not going to be, we're not doing wellness fit. We're not doing all these other things. But it's at least worth coming in just kind of getting checked because we can only feel if there's something going on. And truth be told, if there's not much going on and you want to pop back in every three to four months, it really isn't, I mean, it's, it's not really cost prohibitive. Again, I am speaking on behalf of our practice. I don't know how other you know, mm-hmm. prices are in other practices. Um, but my, my thing would be is if you are considering bringing your animal in, definitely look for someone who's been trained appropriately. Um, we're board certified. You don't necessarily need to be board certified as long as you've gone through a reputable program um, that at least trains you for the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association Board or the International Veterinary Chiropractic Association Board. To me, if they didn't complete one of those programs, I wouldn't feel comfortable bringing my animal to them. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So like I said, if you're, if you're interested in it, I, I definitely.
1: um, Yeah. Maybe research their webpage to see how they're certified or
2: whatever. Yeah. Look for some qualifications. If they went to a weekend seminar, that's not a qualification. It's, it's a lot. It it takes a bit more than in doing something like that. Um, Outside of that, uh, I mean, as far as, kind of scheduling for us if you're in the metro area you know we're as far north as davidson in the vet's office as far east as saint Clair. uh we get out to northville every once in a while south kind of uh, get about to uh, madison heights or so so
1: that's a big area hopefully,
2: yeah hopefully if you're in area, you know one of our eight or nine spots we work out of um is close enough for you but we can be reached you can either give us a call at 248 248- six zero two zero eight zero seven if we don't answer we're probably with a patient but we will get back to you uh, you can visit our website advancedanimalchiropractic.com, Um or you can email us at advanced animal chiropractic at gmail.com but uh, uh, yeah we usually have something somewhat within a few days of of, um, of where you live if you're kind of in this area and if you're on the, you know, if you're somewhere else, I can, we, you know, we can certainly help you find someone who we think is adequately trained, uh, to kind of provide a service for you, because we do get calls. We've had calls from Colorado, California, west side of the state. And people saying they'll drive, and I was like, well, I guarantee you, I can find somebody closer before you drive. To you.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Before you <laughs> drive from California.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially if you're coming from. Actually, we did have a client that was just stopping by uh, in Michigan for like three weeks from Colorado and he just came, you know, came, got adjusted for a little bit and went back. But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we were hopefully if you're, if you're outside of two, two and a half hours from this area, we'll help you find someone. Cause that's, that's a bit of a hike. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess that, that would kind of be kind of my spiel. I think the other thing that to me is important kind of with the chiropractic side is I think nutrition has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, too. I find dogs eat certain ways or, and are more active. I think, you know, make sure your dog is active. I think they have better spines later in life um, mm-hmm. than some of the ones that are a bit more of kind of couch potatoes, eat certain, you know, types of food. Right, the same um, for us humans
1: too, right? Exactly,
2: yeah. Yeah, so like I said, I've had some, some really, like 17, 18-year-old larger breed dogs. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is fine. It feels like there's not much going on. And they trying to tell me what they've done their whole life. I'm like, oh, well. I guess to me that kind of makes sense, but I'd say, yeah, activity, you know, making sure they're not couch potatoes certainly um, uh, helps a lot of their spine stuff too.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining our podcast episode today. Um, everybody heard all of the advanced animal chiropractic.com. He gave you the phone number and I'm going to throw in that you have to like them on Facebook and Instagram too. Yep, and yep. you guys are, you're active on social. So mm-hmm. I'll link all of that back in the post.
2: Awesome. All right, thank well, you. I, yeah, I appreciate you guys inviting me, and hopefully, it was uh, some good content for everybody.
0: Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Rough Rough Raw podcast. We love bringing you all this knowledge and content, and we want to make sure that we can keep it coming, which requires support from our listeners like you. So, make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and show us your love by heading to shop.ruffruffraw.com to subscribe to our newsletter and check out all of our resources. Thanks again for listening.